You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, Art History Babe Nation. Art History Babe Ginny here, coming to talk to you about our New Year's giveaway. Uh, this giveaway includes a Corn book, a Klimt puzzle, and a few other goodies. To be entered to win, you must write us a review on iTunes, take a screenshot of that review, and DM it to us on Instagram or email it to us at arthistorybabes.com. The winner will be selected on New Year's Day. Enter now for a chance to win. Thank you. Goodbye. From Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. It's another baby episode. This one, you got a fun (laughs) anecdote to open this one with. (laughs) Want to tell them, Nat? (laughs) So I'm learning how to use our recording software. (laughs) And I recorded the last episode that we did over the top of our Duchamp episode. Yep. I replaced it. It's so gone forever. It is. Into the abyss. <sighs> Man, it was. We're going to try and do it even better this time. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Try and recreate the magic for y'all. We're talking about Marcel Duchamp today. Which, uh, you know what? He's awesome. He deserves to be talked about twice. He does. He really does. <laughs> and I hope in the ether where the Duchamp episode went, I hope he's listening to it. You know what? I do too. I do too. I mean, if it reached Duchamp's ears, then it'll all be it was worth, worth it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Without further ado. Without further ado, Marcel, Marcel Duchamp. 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 Marcel Duchamp. Duchamp. Marcel Duchamp's profound influence on the current state of contemporary art is undeniable, and there is not one particular contribution he made, but rather many. His time spent in both Europe and the United States shaped the art making of the following generations globally, and he undoubtedly paved the way for contemporary artists through his work with conceptual art as well as his involvement with Cubism, Dada, and the Surrealist movement. His attitude concerning his work, and in particular his distaste for declaring any one style, was above all what made Duchamp so fascinating and why he continues to be relevant in any conversation concerning not only 20th but 21st century art. Originally, Duchamp set out to be a Cubist painter. In 1912, he painted Nude Descending a Staircase Number 2. The work was not initially accepted by the Salon des Independents. The Cubist avant-garde artist deemed the painting too quote-unquote futurist. Eventually, Nude Descending a Staircase Number 2 was appreciated for its dissection of a body moving through space and the connection to experimental photography at the time. But alas, Duchamp began to lose interest in painting as a means of expression, and his painting career soon came to an end, and he began exploring more conceptual forms of expression. Yet another contribution that Marcel Duchamp made to the world of art 
are the ready-mades, which are mass-produced objects he selected, often utilitarian objects, which he designated as art. He would make minor changes to the objects themselves, but present them with titles and declare them original artwork. Francis Nauman defines the idea of a rectified ready-made as a ready-made produced by correcting or in other ways introducing a slight adjustment and alterations to given objects in order to complete them. In 1913, Duchamp created Bicycle Wheel, which consists of a bicycle wheel atop a sitting stool. It is said that Duchamp would spin the wheel while thinking. Adorable. I love the image that that creates in my mind of Duchamp with like a very pensive thinking face and just staring out, pondering, but his hand is just spinning the wheel off to the side while he's thinking about stuff. He's just sitting and spinning and thinking. He invented the first fidget spinner. He did. It was a huge fidget spinner. Oh my God, a giant fidget spinner. (laughs) All of you little teens out there spinning your fidget spinners. (laughs) Spinning your fidgets. (laughs) Spinning your fidgets. (laughs) That sounds so inappropriate. It really does. It's not at all, but it does. Yeah, but (laughs) bicycle wheel was, it was, it was the original fidget spinner. I like that. Duchamp, you think of everything. For real. For real. (laughs) Seriously, you guys are going to learn that he thinks of everything. (laughs) So Bicycle Wheel is what he called an assisted ready-made, meaning he combined multiple utilitarian objects to make a single work of art. So the bicycle wheel and the stool together to make Bicycle Wheel. The most famous of his ready-mades is titled Fountain from 1917. It's made of a porcelain urinal, unused. As far as we are aware. Yes. We are told it's unused. We realize there's no real way to tell. Yeah. So. (laughs) Who knows? And you can't even test it because the original one. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone, guys. It disappeared into the ether, much like our original (laughs) Duchamp episode. I hope they're happy together. (laughs) (laughs) This personal urinal was placed on its side and signed R. Mutt. He created this work anonymously for the 1917 Society of Independent Artists. Signing the work with a pseudonym, R. Mutt allowed him to enter the supposedly open exhibition only to be rejected. Ever the fan of puns, Duchamp's pseudonym had a deeper meaning. The R stood for Richard, French slang for money bags, and Mutt referred to J.L. Mott Ironworks, the New York-based company who manufactured the porcelain urinal. Art critics began to publicly praise the work, likely bringing it more attention than it would have received in the exhibition itself, which is ironic. What began as an elaborate joke to make fun of American avant-garde art ended up as one of the most influential artworks of the 20th century. It's crazy. Marcel Duchamp's 1,200 bags of coal installation is an extreme example of the move away from frames and cluttered walls in the exhibition space. Duchamp covered the ceiling with hanging bags of coal, which were probably stuffed with paper or some other lighter material. However, the way that they are hung and the visual effect is they really do look like heavy bags of coal hanging from the ceiling, Yeah, which had to have been very disorienting for spectators. Especially considering... This was a gallery space that still had paintings from other artists hanging on the walls. So you're supposed to go through and look at these other works while having 
albeit fake bags of coal but still but you don't know that yeah they look like real bags of coal and you're told that they are so it's a little scary yeah so the effect was a psychological disruption and it ended up challenging gallery visitors conceptually the way in which he fills the gallery space is not only unorthodox for the time but evokes curiosity about other ways in which artists could use the white walls and ceiling that don't involve simply hanging an image on the wall. It completely changes the viewer's relationship to the art and the room in which they view it. So really what we have with 1,200 Bags of Coal is one of the first examples of really shaking up the exhibition setting and creating real installation art that was meant to interact with where the work was being shown yeah definitely it takes the exhibition space beyond just frames on a wall and makes it interactive in a way yeah and it is affected modern and contemporary art in very visible ways that there have been tons of examples of artists that have also played with these same ideas of trying to make the gallery space a more immersive experience Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's becoming the norm even yeah there are so many contemporary installations where it's really about transforming the gallery space and it all started with our boy Duchamp Duchamp spent nearly 20 years creating a secret work, which is both fascinating and perplexing, called Etant Donné, and he worked on it from 1946 through 1966. Behind a wooden door, which the artist hand-selected and shipped from Spain to New York, stands what can only be described as a perverse diorama. Through two peepholes in the door, the viewer gazes upon the nude body of a woman with her legs splayed facing the viewer. She holds a lit gas lamp in her hand and lies on a bed of grass with a mountainous scene behind her. Etandone looks innocuous from afar, but once you get to the eye holes, it begins to feel like a museum-sponsored peep show. The viewer is forced to take a voyeuristic position when engaging with this work, and it can be understood as a reflection on the boundaries between artist and spectator. Duchamp created the work in secret with his wife, Tini. Most believed he had given up on his art making at the end of his life. So in these 20 years, they thought his art making was completely dormant. And he left specific instructions not to show it to the public until after his death. So this was not viewed until he passed away in 1966. Yeah. And this work is a trip. It is. Yes. Something else. (laughs) You're going to want to look it up. I haven't seen it in person, but would like to. It's in Philadelphia, along with a lot of his work. Yes. There is a lot of Duchamp housed in Philadelphia. Trigger warning if you are going to go look at it. Yeah. It is a rather jarring work. It is also very polarizing for a number of reasons. Personally, I find it to be a fascinating work visually he's doing some really interesting things with this idea of looking through a peephole and not just looking through a peephole at a painting or a picture you're looking through a peephole at a full-blown diorama like it's full space being taken up by this artwork the whole concept is very interesting but the subject matter depending on how you read it i personally read it as kind of violent it gives me this violent feeling yeah that's definitely there and especially with our contemporary culture of being fascinated with murder and serial killers and Mm -hmm. all of these things are common tropes in 
contemporary TV, movies, whatnot, in the media even, we're kind of fascinated by it. So it brings that to mind. Nude woman laying in the grass. You can't see her face at all. You just see like that upshot of her body. And you don't know if she's supposed to be living, dead, what her state of existence is. You just know that she's exposed to you. And the weird part about it is... We're talking about it. I'm sure most people who, not even most, I'm sure a lot of people who go see it know what they're walking into. But if you don't. Yeah, for real. Like, that is a big surprise to yeah. come up to this old rustic looking door, look through it and see <laughs> that. For real, though. If you weren't expecting it, that's a lot to take in. Like we said, trigger warning with this work. It is rather jarring but I know personally my instinct like when I first saw it is I my mind just goes to sexual assault right away you know there isn't anything that specifically says that in the work or anything like that and it's not something that was like common in his work before yeah I don't know or not that I know of it's just where my mind goes Mm -hmm. um I don't know if it's because of the the wooded scenery yeah I think that's part of it but also this is a work that's connected to something we didn't have time to talk about a bride stripped bear Mm -hmm. which is one of his more famous works and it's not a figurative work so even though that title sounds like it could be also triggering it's It's, not at all yeah visually visually it's not (laughs) at all and it's actually it's in Philadelphia as well so you could see both at the same time but the title itself, A Bride Stripped Bear, it's following that line of thought, whatever road he was on. <laughs> For real. It's continuing it. It's a fascinating work, both of them, Atondane and A Bride Stripped Bear. We would be very curious to hear your thoughts on them. I mean, these are works that are just multi-layered. A lot has been written on them. Duchamp's influence is vast. I'd be surprised to hear about a contemporary artist that wasn't somehow affected, even if not directly, by Duchamp's work. Definitely. And I feel so often while maybe in the art world, Duchamp isn't underrated just in culture at large. I, I think he's rather underrated because so few people seem to know about him, Yeah, yet his work really shaped all of modernism to yes. some degree. He threw so many important ideas out there that people still are working off of today. So yeah, if you are into modernism, if you are into work created since the turn of the century, he is a dude you want to know about. And if you're interested in knowing more about him, we are doing a full-length episode about some of the works we mentioned here and then some other works and then works that have been influenced by him that will be coming out in a couple weeks. So be on the lookout for that. Definitely. It's going to be a goodie. But if you have any thoughts or questions about Duchamp or anything else, you can email us at arthistorybabes at gmail.com can find us on every social media that we know of patreon.com slash art history babes that is how to make us love you <laughs> that is that's the way to our hearts <laughs> just just kidding you're already in our hearts but help us help some sisters out and you know you know you know how it is we're just we're just out here trying to function we would love your assistance we really would thank you so much for listening to our little bb bye from Cabernet to Monet.
dear listeners, this is Ginny, and I'm here with our friend Zach Clark. Hello. You've heard him before on a few of our episodes, and today he's here to talk about a project he's working on called Great Hope, which you can become a part of and become involved in, which he's going to explain right now. So Great Hope is a show that I am working on that will be at the UMass Amherst Union Gallery in February of 2018. Um, it's going to be a w- collection of work that I'm making about where myself and others um, find hope and victories they're currently celebrating. But the show um, is also going to exist as a open call print exchange and is open to anyone who makes an edition of 12 works. So if you're a printmaker, um, I'd love to hear from you to be part of the show. All the work will then be distributed out to everyone as a uh, print exchange. If you are not a printmaker and just want to share your stories about where you are currently finding hope, um, I would love to hear them. Um, For both participating in the print exchange and just letting me hear your stories, you can go to nationalmonumentpress.com. Some more information will be there. Um, You can find me on Instagram, at Zach Clark is, or you can text 510-969-969. 9443. Uh, thanks, and I hope to uh, have you as part of the show. Right on. Great hope. Check it out.